What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss some guys, some players, some prospects entering the 2021 NFL Draft this year um, that are "quote unquote" my guys. Okay, and now I'll, I'll probably do another one of these because there will be more guys that come to mind as the process goes on, and maybe even more guys that I watch that immediately turn into my guys, like the first player on my my guys list that we're going to talk about today, which is Peyton Turner, edge rusher from the University of Houston. So this dude is six foot five, 268 pounds, 35 and three eighths inch arms. So his arms are almost 35 and a half inches long. Like, I mean, they're well over 35 is my point. They're very long. He's a former basketball player. I happened to catch an interview of his a few weeks ago on this show I was listening to. And he's a former basketball player. He was very, very small when he, a couple, just a couple of years ago at Houston, right? He was very small. He was playing at like 220 or 230, if I recall correctly. And this dude has managed to put on all this weight. I believe he played all of last season right around this 268 number that he was today when he went in his, at his pro day. And he only played five games this past season, but he got he was able to get like four or five sa- or five sacks, I believe it was, ten and a half tackles for loss. So he was everywhere in those games i think he's coming off of an injury but look from what i see on film and from what i see in terms of what he was able to do at his pro day today i really like this guy like now granted because he just crushes pro day and he has this rare size i could see more people hop on this kind of bandwagon but in my opinion just again today's the first time i've ever watched him he is a guy that it wouldn't shock me if he goes in the bottom of round one. It really wouldn't shock me. And I know, add that guy onto the list of like the 3,000 other dudes that might go in round one that you've heard from a million other people. I get it. But I'm just telling you what I see on film combined with what I see, you know, in terms of testing. And then when you look at just common sense, right, his, his, um, uh, his, his ability to win over the outside shoulder as well as on the inside moves, right? Or on the bull rush or just using his hands and beating a guy that way. He's one of the few guys, one of the few edge rushers in this class. I made a post about this a day or two ago. Um, He's one of the few guys that can win over the outside shoulder. That is NFL size, right? He's not, he's not like a 200, you know, Brian Burns for all of us that loved him coming out. I, I liked Brian Burns. I didn't love him because he played his last year at Florida state at 230 pounds. So in my opinion, it was a bit of a projection and probably the only reason why Brian Burns lasted to pick 16 is because you had to project what is he going to look like when he plays at an NFL weight of 250, 260 pounds. And so we saw early in Brian Burns' career as a rookie, he had some issues um, holding the point of attack against the run game. He wasn't getting a ton of snaps. And then obviously last season we saw a whole different dude in terms of a guy that was plenty stout against the run and all this stuff. My point in going into that is this. This dude is legitimately 270 pounds, 268 pounds. Let me tell you about his athletic testing real quick. 23 bench press reps of 225 pounds, okay? 23 reps for a guy with almost 36-inch arms. That's insane. That right there is one of the more um, impressive combine attributes you'll find in my opinion, throughout this whole pre-draft process, as Jim Nagy said. He also jumped 35 and a half inches on his vertical, 
And here's the part where I just threw my pen down and just like, what the hell? He ran a six-seven three cone in a four-two-five short shuttle. That three cone is insane. Okay, there's a dude, a safety that a lot of people like that I also watched this morning named Jamar Johnson, played for Aura for University of Indiana. He's a fine player, probably a third or fourth round guy by my books. But what I saw in him was a, I believe his three cone was like seven-two-five or something like that. You know, so for this guy to be 270 pounds running a six, seven, three cone is just insane. And again, when you look at that combined with what he does on film, combined with the fact that he can beat you in a multiple, uh, multiple ways, combined with the fact that he's excellent in pursuit and never gives up on a play. I mean, you look at all this stuff, man, and it's, it's almost nonsensical for you to not say he's a first rounder like why not why are people talking about Gregory Rousseau going in the first round and not talking about this dude I bet you after you see his testing numbers today and if you see what size and this is the important thing about these testing numbers what size he was able to put forth those numbers that's when you have just got to look at it a little bit differently right so again I really like Peyton Turner He'll probably have a you know late one, early two for me. I'm still watching him, but I can already tell you he's a guy that's um, that's gonna that's probably gonna get drafted higher than most people expect is what I what I would guess. And I would also guess that predictably because of his pro day, all these people see me. This is the first day that I've ever watched his film, so it's funny that a lot of these people are gonna see his that have been watching his tape or that have already watched his tape. They're going to see his pro day measurements and, and test results, and they're going to move him up considerably. Well, whereas, like, if Gregory Rousseau would have would have put up these types of testing numbers, I probably still wouldn't have had him as a you know top ten guy, like some were alleging a while ago. So I think that you got to be careful. If you didn't like the tape, don't have him that highly graded. But if for me, I like the tape a whole lot, and I also love and i mean love as anyone would these testing numbers so for me peyton turner is certainly one of my guys for this draft and one of the um definitely under the radar edge rushers in my opinion for uh this year's draft class another guy that's my guy is a wide receiver from florida named Kadarius tony six foot 193 pounds um the dude is awesome right he is at like a few years ago i think i just explained this to you guys before but i i missed on a on a bunch of receivers i think it was my first year of really doing this right i missed on a bunch of guys like i had a set late second early third round grade on auden tate and a lot of my and tate ended up going in the seventh round but that's not like an egregious miss my point is i had to reevaluate the way in which i i saw the receiver position right i had to reevaluate okay we don't necessarily need them all all the x receivers to be 64220 we need these guys to be able to separate and these guys to be able to you know succeed at the NFL levels in some way or another it can be because you're Rashad you know a big guy i was going to say Rashad Bateman but he's clearly not as big as we thought but the point is he plays big you can you can win that way as a number one receiver you can win you know on the Debo Samuel DJ Moore type of way where where it's just kind of Pick your poison, I guess, with those two guys because they're different players, but they're also very similar in skill sets and size. So six foot, 200 pounds is plenty big enough, especially in 2021, you know, in today's game. So Kadarius Tony, the point I'm going into about all that is he reminds me of the Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk kind of guy from the last couple of years, guys that I was very, very high on in terms of 
just a, a pre-draft grade or whatever. I think Debo was even my number one wide receiver over DK Metcalf. Late in the process, he took a, uh, he surpassed DK Metcalf. And I'm not saying that that was right of me, but when you look at Debo Samuel, he's been a very good player, right? I, I had a first-round grade on him. He ends up going early second round, I think even higher than some expected. But I think for whatever reason, Debo was – and even Brandon Ayuk, who went in the first round, were not looked at as like – by the media of like as like these guys that were supposed to go super early whereas um you know anyways Kadarius Tony my guy he can play inside he can play outside sorry I lost my train of thought there for a second guys he can play inside he can play outside he's scheme versatile and something I really like about him you could talk about his ceiling and it's probably a high ceiling I would agree if you said it was a high ceiling but his floor is very high like he is not I I do not see any logical path that's going to result in Kadarius Tony busting. Like, I, I just don't see that. I think he's going to be almost certainly a very good football player for you. So um, from that standpoint, I like him a lot. I'll, I'll happily take him in the first round. I think he's a top 20, 25 player in this draft. And in terms of fits for him, something that kind of might go against your natural uh, Baltimore Ravens type receiver because you would think Rashad Bateman and Rashad Bateman is a good fit for the Baltimore Ravens but I think he's a really good fit for Baltimore you know you got think about it you got Hollywood Brown on one side who's kind of your field stretcher and then on the other side you've got a guy like Kadarius Tony who and I know some have have brought up that Devin Duvernay is a similar kind of player in that regard and he is but this is a totally different type of player guys like in terms of just physical talent he is a guy that can make plays after the catch he can beat you vertically he can beat you in the intermediate parts of the field I don't see what there's not to like about Kadarius Tony again last year 70 catches 984 yards average over 14 yards of catch and uh, catch and 10 touchdowns he also ran the ball 19 times for 161 yards that's eight and a half per carry uh also had one touchdown and I know some people kind of have the knock on him I remember somebody was asking me a few weeks ago they were saying, well, don't you worry about the fact that he that he couldn't find the, his way onto the football field earlier than this? And for me personally, I'm not worried about that because he had really good players there in front of him. You know, Van Jefferson, and uh, they had another guy get drafted as a receiver there last year at Florida. I mean, there were good players there. You know, and oh, by the way, they have a tight end. It's all world and, you know, was also getting targeted in the passing game. So um, it wasn't, you know, to me, that's not all that worrisome because guess what? We've seen him this year. We saw him on the football field, and he produced at a very high level. So um, for, for my money, Kadarius Tony's a top 20, top 25 player in this draft. And I don't see, like, again, I don't see a way where he doesn't perform in terms of, I, I don't see any way he busts. I just don't see it. All right. Um, number three on my list today is a running back from the University of North Carolina. No, it's not Javante. It's Michael Carter. He's five foot eight, 199 pounds. And let me explain, because I've seen some pushback, really hard pushback against Michael Carter as of late and, and eerily since he ran his, what was it, four, five, six, 40 or whatever, or four, five, eight. I don't give a damn about a 40 yard dash when it comes to a running back, especially when they can adequately, and I'm not talking just adequately, I'm talking about high level change direction they can they have very good contact balance they have good burst great burst right those are things that michael carter has okay when you look at him as a just production let's talk for a second third most runs of 10 plus yards in college football the third most runs by the way 
that's one every 3.8 carries. He he popped a, a run for 10 plus yards, one every 3.8 carries. He had the most, I repeat, the most runs of 20 plus yards in all of college football. He had 18, one every 8.7 carries. So this dude is is making things happen. And guess what, guys? You don't get a 20, you don't get a 10-yard run because you because you're a fast long speed guy. You don't get a 20-yard run always because you're a fast long speed guy. In other words, if you're four, five, four, six guy, you can get that perfectly fine. But what you do get uh, in terms of leading the uh, NCAA basically in runs of 10 plus yards, you get burst, right? You're, I mean, you are Dalvin Cook style burst. Like when the ball, when you know where you're going, it is just a, a in a flash that you are getting there, right? You're getting through that hole very quickly. That's what Michael Carter is to me. Very explosive from that standpoint. You know, again, he can also change direction. He can also, he has good contact balance. He's short, yes, but he's not small. I mean, 5'8", basically 200 pounds is a rocked up young man. That dude, you know, in terms of just build alone, reminds me of Devin Singletary coming out. I think he's a little more explosive than Singletary. Probably not as physically um, imposing from that. I mean, Singletary was just a really hard guy to tackle. But I think he's a little quicker and a little bit more explosive than Singletary was coming out. So, um, you know, he is definitely one of my guys and and for the people that think that he won't be fantasy relevant as a rookie you are delusional i'm just saying it now you're delusional i think he'll go in the second or third round i I don't if you get this guy after round three your team just in my opinion struck gold because like even devin singletary at you know a shorter height and a slower 40 time even he lasted until the third round which is fine with me you know i don't i don't I didn't think he was going to go in the second round running like a four, six, whatever, 40. And also being, you know, a guy that uh, wasn't all that kind of physically imposing from an athletic standpoint. But with Michael Carter, I think, again, he's a little more explosive than Singletary. And I think that the most important thing when you talk about him is he's short. He's not small. Okay. So I like, I like, I like Michael Carter. I think, again, Second or third round. If you get him in the third round, I think that's really good value. Like really, really good value. And you very well could because this is a pretty good draft class. So he could definitely fall to round three, especially when you consider the fact that when you look at like where are you going to have to take running backs because the running backs are so deep. And in my opinion, they're pretty deep. So he could last a little bit longer if the running backs aren't coming off the board all that fast to begin with, you know? So I think that's something to look out for. All right. Number four on this list for me is Christian Darisol. And I know an offensive lineman, you might, you might be a little bored, but Hey, he's not all that exciting, but it's not just Christian Darisol. It is Christian Darisol and uh, Tevin Jenkins. Like both of those guys to me, when you look at them, you just think, where's the weakness? I mean, seriously, like they check every box when when it comes to size, arm length, all that stuff. They check every box. When it comes to athleticism, they both looked the part. They were extremely productive. You have a lot of production to look at, too. It's not just a small, tiny little sample size. And, you know, for Darisol in particular, you look at – I think he may have the highest floor of any offensive tackle in this draft. Like, when you – I'm not going to call Rashawn Slater moving to guard or Penny Sewell even moving to guard – a high floor because we're talking about just being an offensive tackle right now. Darisol is 100% an offensive tackle and 
he is not he is going to be a good starter at minimum like so you have a good left tackle starter in my opinion and at an absolute minimum and when you go to tevin jenkins who's kind of my 4b or whatever if you will for uh this list of my guys he's the same thing just a right tackle you know and and maybe not quite as long as derisol whatever but when you look at the explosiveness and when you look at the athleticism those i mean and the size, those things are in the production. It's just hard not to like these guys. You know, they're what, six foot five, 320 pounds or whatever. They are big, powerful, um, extremely productive tackles coming out. So I like both of those guys as my offensive tackle. Next guy on my list is Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri. Um, okay, when you look at my criticisms of Micah Parsons, right? They're, they're, you know, and I'm not even talking off the field. I don't know much about that. So I'm just going to leave that alone. But when you look at my on-field, just football playing-wise criticism of Micah Parsons, it's that he doesn't have that Luke Keekly-like first-step instincts. I mean, nobody really does. That's a bad example. But the point is, he doesn't have phenomenal instincts. He doesn't have good instincts, in my opinion. You know, when, similar to Tremaine Edmonds a few years ago coming out, when he guesses right or when he goes the right way, like right off the bat, he has reps that make you go, wow, like that's really exciting. He's going to be the best linebacker in the draft. And I could see how, especially if you're just watching highlight videos on YouTube or something like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. If that's a, you know, if that you don't have time to watch film like a nerd like me. But when you look at the tape, you see so many false steps in a guy like Micah Parsons game. And while Parsons is definitely a great athlete, the false steps worry me, you know, and, and the lack of, of high level instincts worry me. When you look at Nick Bolton, in my opinion, what you see is the perfect combination of maybe he's not the greatest athlete in the world, and maybe he's not quite Luke Keekley in terms of instincts, right? Because that's just a little bit insane to say, but it's the perfect combination of really good instincts and good good physical traits. You know, he's he's not six foot five, two hundred and you know sixty pounds or whatever that runs four or five, but what he is is big enough. He is very instinctive. And he's got really good physical traits and, and, and movement skills. For me personally, I think if he played for like Alabama or, or you know, Ohio State or one of these big schools, I think he'd be a top 15 pick. I, I really do. I think we'd be, we'd be looking at him as the consensus linebacker one. And I strongly believe he'd be um, a lock for a first rounder. It's just when you look at where he was playing and it's, it's not all that exciting or whatever, Missouri um, – it, you know, he can kind of slip through the cracks. But for my money, Nick Bolton has as high a floor as almost any player in this class, not not just position, but almost any player. So I like Bolton a lot. I think he, once again, the perfect blend of instincts and physical traits and, and uh, athleticism. All right, next guy on my list here is J.C. Horn, cornerback uh, from South Carolina. So Horn is kind of the Christian Darisol of corners in this class. For me, right? He, he's not. When you look at Caleb Fairley, who would, who would likely be my number one corner, um, you have to worry about the back, right? I, I know he just came out and said like he's going to make you regret it if you pass on him. I get all that, but the point is, you don't know strongly enough how that back is going to hold up simply because it's you know you don't play football for an entire year and then you come back and you can't compete at your pro day because of this thing so it's it's not as much of a like oh brush that under the rug as maybe he would like for it to be at least in my opinion you know and i'm no doctor so the doctors make that call but for me jc horn when you look at some of his games that he's had dude oh my god he's got some games where he was just completely dominant like 
dominating the entire game where, to where like if you didn't know who was the NFL prospect on the South Carolina defense after watching about 10, 15 snaps, you'd be like, that dude seems like he's really good. You know, it just the, the plays he's making on the football, the, when you look at him and what I mean, when I say he was, he's kind of the Christian Darisol of the corners from this draft is there's no box. He doesn't check, right? Like he's got the instincts. He's got the size. He's got the length. He's got the um, athleticism. He's one of the, I mean, he, I think he's somebody said he tested like better than any corner of the last many, many years, whatever. So um, I said this when I first watched him and, and recorded the podcast about it many months ago. He reminds me of CJ Henderson just as a mover and his build and his athletic profile. He reminds me a lot of CJ Henderson last year. And as we know, whether you guys agree with it or not, CJ Henderson was the, I believe, 10th or 9th overall pick in last year's draft. So JC Horn, in my opinion, is uh, the son of a the son of a former NFL player, and he is just all boxes checked, a stud top 10 pick in my opinion. Now, whether he goes top 10 or not will remain to be seen, but I think if he doesn't, it will simply be because of how strong this cornerback, at least on day one and day two, group is as a whole. So I think that's something to kind of look for when you talk about J.C. Horn and where he goes. But, but yeah, man, for me, I think that he's – obviously a first round talent like I, I, if anybody says he's not a first round talent that's just completely delusional in my opinion and um you know super productive has had games where he just completely takes over and again checks every single box there's no box unchecked all right final guy on this list for you today is a running back from ucla Demetric felton so last year one of my guys was um in the in the 2020 draft class was a guy named antonio gibson Gibson ended up going in the third round, and he ended up obviously being a, a great value in terms of that. I almost had a first-round grade on Gibson. I think that if I wasn't being a little pansy, for lack of a better word there, I, I would have had a first-round grade on Gibson because I felt that strongly about him. I was just um, a little bit maybe influenced by kind of the uh, overwhelming he's a day three player from all of like basically the, the draft community. But my point is – Demetric Felton could be this year's Antonio Gibson. And they're totally, they're, I mean, not totally different. They're different, right? Meaning Felton is a former receiver that tr that switched to running back at UCLA, basically was a running back all of last season. And um, Antonio Gibson was kind of more of a wide receiver in his last season at Memphis. Like he, I think by snaps, you would look at Gibson played more receiver. So the point I'm making is this. I'm not making the, the comparison that they're similar players because Demetrius Felton is much, much smaller than Antonio Gibson. But what I'm saying is the versatility, the ability, if, the, if a coaching staff so chooses to use them in the way of let's just make them a positionless weapon, they would both be that. You know, and they, they really would. Like if you wanted to just play Demetrius Felton a little bit at receiver, a little bit at running back, he could definitely do that for you, and he could be a high-level player. If you want to move him into the slot, I think he'd be a really good slot receiver. If you wanted to just make him a, a primary running back and just like, you know, he's probably a little too small to be an every-down bell cow back, but if you wanted him to be a guy that, you know, is, is a really high-level change of pace back, I think he'd come in there and, and have a nice, long NFL career being one of the most dynamic, you know, maybe, maybe again, not going to touch the ball 400 times or whatever, but – when he does touch the ball, it's going to be production, right? I think he's going to be a guy that can give you a thousand scrimmage yards on any given season, and he'll probably do that quite often. And for me, I just think that 
especially in today's game, right? You guys like to say that, especially in today's game, 2021 uh, football, NFL football, you can use this guy in a in a large enough role based on what he can do for you skill set wise to justify, in my opinion, taking him in the second round, almost certainly taking him in round three if you, you know, if he's somehow still there. And I gotta say, I personally have a second round grade on him. For me, um, I, I I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna be drafted in round two. I think he'll be drafted in round three or maybe even round four if teams are getting really crazy. Simply because he's kind of we've seen guys that are so called tweeners fall before, right? Just because like ah, I'm not quite sure what to do with you, you know, maybe you'll, you'll fall a little bit further than you should or whatever. And it's a relatively deep running back class if you want to call him a running back, and it's also a relatively deep wide receiver class if you want to call him a receiver. So. Um, when you look at those two things, like those those would be like contributing factors to him falling even past round three. But for my money, this dude is a solid second round player in terms of just pure talent. And I do believe that one way or the other, he's going to find a role as a rookie in the NFL. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be quite to the level of Antonio Gibson was last year where he had over a thousand yards. But I think that he's a guy that even as a rookie can give you 600 plus, you know, and, and, and that's just really pick, pick the role that you see him in and let him do his thing. I would absolutely love it if he went to San Francisco as a guy that's just a, you know, just a weapon, right? Like may, maybe a little bit of, cause now you've got Demetric Felton, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, And um, you know, you can use him a little bit as a running back there. And then every now and then when you feel like it, you can just screw with defenses even more, you can throw him in the slot or whatever you want to do like that. And um, you know, just kind of utilize him for a variety of different ways. But I think he'd be a real menace to opposing defenses in that kind of a role, especially in that Kyle Shanahan system. So I like Demetri Felton a whole lot, guys. I think that, you know, again, he's a stud and, he may fall to round three or four, but I'm telling you now, he's going to be an impact player as a professional very early on into his NFL career. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. That's the end of it. Um, if you are enjoying the pod and you're listening on Apple, leave a review. That really helps. And also maybe consider giving it a share to one of your friends that's a football fan. All right, guys. Peace.